Reverend Mike Ramsdale received his BA in Religious Studies and Organizational Communication from Barowit College in Barowit, Wisconsin, where he has lived until he moved to Colorado in 2018. He holds a certificate in organizational leadership in diversity, equity, and inclusion from Rice University in Texas. He has, received, he has served as a credentialed minister for over 20 years and was the senior executive pastor of Lighthouse Fellowship Church in Ballard, Wisconsin, uh, diocesan overseer for Great Lakes region of bridging the gap Bridging the Gap International Fellowship of Churches and served as the president of the Balowit Community Ministers Association. Michael has a strong belief that faith helps uh, shape a positive and diverse community. He has served as, a, as the president of the City of Balowit Board of Education a champion and board member for a nonprofit hospice care, a champion for the Balowit Police Department, as well as a member of the Balowit Police Department's Pastoral Advisory Committee. Michael has most recently joined Cross Purpose as the Spiritual Development Officer and has been attending Providence Bible Church since July. Please welcome Michael. Amen. That guy sounds pretty cool. I'll meet him one day. Let's open the word of God to Matthew, the sixth chapter. If you guys ever have me up here again, I'll share a little bit of my story, but today I just want to get into the Word of God, if that's all right with you. We looked at this um, text last week with Pastor Josh, uh, but we're going to look at it again today with an emphasis on... Um, are how we give relationally, not just monetarily. Stand with me if you would, please. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, but as long as it's a Christian Bible, it's all right, I suppose. The author says, says of Christ, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory for men. For surely I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we invite you into this moment today with us, Lord. 
We open our minds and our spirits to receive the word today. May your word find itself in good soil in our hearts today that we might be enriched and strengthened by it and challenged to live the Jesus way as we leave this place together, Lord. Uh, we put aside every, every thought and distraction and we focus these next few minutes on your word today. Speak to us, Lord. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, that you might increase and I might decrease. Lord, I tear open my soul before you and I ask, Lord, that you lay therein. Speak today in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church said, Amen. You may be seated. In this first sermon by Christ in the book of Matthew, we see Jesus as a New Testament Moses who's delivering the eternal laws of kingdom living to his people. He teaches and expands upon the issues that were huge points in Jewish tradition that provided the most righteousness points, if you will, uh, for the scribes and Pharisees, namely giving, prayer, and fasting. And then turns things completely upside down by telling us that we must exceed these in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Christ's appeal is not to tell us to ignore these laws, but to take them up a notch in a way that he says in chapter 538 is perfect, just like our Father in heaven is perfect. Paul in Corinthians defines it as the most excellent way. It is a way, according to Christ, that is done not to be seen by people for their praise, but to be done in secret in a way that only the Father can see. Christ lays out for us a picture of Christian living in the world in the presence of God, an act of submission to God, and entire dependence upon God. Jesus tells us in John 18, 36, that his kingdom is not of this world. So he shares with us here in Matthew 6 that our deeds, our Christian living, the way that we live our life in the faith should not be done to be seen by the world. That sounds great, but what, what about what Jesus said in just a few verses before that in chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 on the Sermon of the Mount? He tells us, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Well, what are we talking about here? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The deeds of righteousness performed by the Christian will, of course, be seen by others. According to chapter 5 and 16, followers of Christ should let their light shine before others so that they may see our good works. The deeds of righteousness, although this may seem at first to be a contradiction, chapter 516 goes on to say that they might glorify your Father who is in heaven, which is in bold contrast to the desire of the hypocrites in chapter 6-2 that they might be glorified by others. Only deeds done for God's glory will receive an eschatological reward. This stresses in keeping with the emphasis on the inner obedience to God's commandments, uh, 
which we encountered in chapter 5. God is concerned with the heart, with the motivation behind the person's deed as much as he is with the external deeds themselves. Understanding the motivation of our heart is what seasons our actions with the perfect righteousness that God requires. Jesus cautions us here to take heed that we perform charitable deeds, literally translated as doing acts of mercy. Take heed uh, uh, that we perform acts of mercy in a way that does not lose its flavor, its essence, its purpose. Otherwise, it's thrown out by God and considered meaningless and a loss of identity. Josh said last Sunday, consider our motivation. Don't remove our motivation. Losing our saltiness is, in essence, losing our identity. Christ is the light of the world, and if we are in Christ, we are the light of the world, and our shine is only a reflection of the Christ within us. The work we do, the charitable deeds, these acts of mercy that we perform is an expression of gratitude for God's grace. It is not for attention from other people. And we'll know we're acting in God's perfect righteousness when our charitable deeds cause people to praise the Father instead of praising ourselves. So what does this look like? This takes on many forms. Josh talked about giving financially, but relationally... It could like volunteering your time at Cross Purpose, a very great nonprofit organization uh, that, that I tell you to look into if you, if you don't know about it. It could look like that. Could be providing support and care for others, opening up your home for someone, helping someone carry their groceries. Acts of mercy or charitable deeds could also look like the guy that I was friends with back home in Wisconsin, he was a pastor, had six kids, and when he found out that I was accepted into college, he would bring me, he'd come into my work at the start of every semester and slip me three, four hundred dollars from my class books. Had six kids. He didn't want me to tell anybody about it. He didn't want a, a thank you card, a welcome note. He just said, I love you and I support you and I, and I want to see you win. That's what it could look like. It could look like when I was a child and uh, grew up in a single parent household and we couldn't afford uh, food. It, looked, it could look like a knock on the door and we open the door and there's bags of groceries there. When we had nothing else but pickles and mayonnaise, baby, to eat. <laughs> There were bags of groceries there. That's what it could look like. All done without looking for attention or praise. When we lose the way of Jesus and our good works, things take on a different flavor. We were doing a toy drive at the church that I was pastoring. The police chief had all the officers. They got together and... Uh, bought a bunch of toys to be given in the community, so they gave them to a member of our church and said, work with Ramsdale and get them somewhere. And so we talked about it. I thought this was exciting, but there was only like this amount of toys, and I wanted like this amount of toys, you know? So we, we did another drive and got a few hundred toys and 
passed them out to kids in need. But the parishioner that was coordinating this effort uh, was so mad at me because I didn't bring him up and stand him on the stage so he could talk about how he coordinated that effort and how great he was. And he said, you're putting the attention on yourself. I said, I think I acknowledged you for it, but it wasn't enough, see? When we are doing these things because we want attention, we want praise, we want uh, to be glorified, uh, our acts of charity take on a whole different flavor. Take heed. Take heed that you don't do your acts of mercy to be seen by people. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. When I find that I'm doing things for attention or for my ego, I end up not being satisfied. The answer to giving the righteous way, as Jesus describes in the sermon, isn't to just stop doing things. We say, well, I won't do anything then. That way, nothing I'm doing is for attention because I've just literally stopped doing anything at all. Right, Matt? Like, if I don't do anything, then I can't be doing it for the wrong reason. Well, that's not what we're encouraged to do. But Jesus encourages us to do things, but to be honest with ourselves about our motivation and realize that when we are uh, doing good to gratify the flesh instead of to give thanks to the Father, then we're putting ourselves under the condemnation of the law instead of the freedom that should be ours by faith in the grace of God. We cannot be saved by faith alone and grace alone and still think that if we do all the good things that we'll earn our way into heaven. We must check the inside of ourselves for the work, for the outside to be in line uh, with the way of Jesus. Paul talks about it in Romans 2. He says, circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law, but if you're a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? It will not the physically uncircumcised, if they fulfill the law, judge you who are even with your written code and circumcision are transgressors of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but you are Jewish, you are one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. That's right, Tim. When we act out of the flesh, we are pretending to give when we truly intend to receive. Josh said last week that we put ourselves in the place of God when we give to be acknowledged. The practice of righteous deeds in our text in order to capture the attention and admiration of others cancels the possibility of any reward from God. The only reward such deeds received in the momentary applause of the onlookers. They were not giving, but they were buying. They wanted the praise of the people and they paid for it. Hunter said the other week, grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. <laughs> I love that. I've been thinking about that ever since he said it. Grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. He told us the other week that we need to get rid of the performative orphan spirit. 
and get on our knees and ask the Father, what should I be doing today for others that is a reflection of God's grace and is an offering of gratitude from my heart to the Father? We cannot be hypocrites. We cannot be performative in our daily lives and then wonder why my Christian life feels so empty inside. D.A. Spielier, who I'm sure all of us know, says, I'm joking, says there are three types of hypocrisy. The hypocrite that feigns goodness but is actually evil and knows that they're being deceptive. The hypocrite that is carried away by their own acting and deceives themselves. And then the hypocrite that deceives themselves into thinking that they're acting for the best interests of God and people and deceives those around them into thinking that their motives are righteous. All of these motives cause our acts of mercy, our acts of righteousness to be hollow, empty, and not of God. And as a result, they are void of any reward other than the thank you note that you get at the end of the day. Jesus says they do these things for recognition. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Jesus challenges us to dig deep into the motive of our hearts and destroy every bit of ego that drives our decisions to the point that our physical self is unaware of what our spiritual identity is doing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27 that he disciplines his body and keeps it under control so that he won't be disqualified from the blessing that awaits him from running the waste that is set before him. I might think I know myself, I might think I know my motives, but unless I regularly practice a discipline of prayer, fasting, and honesty with the Father, I evade self-examination because to know ourselves is ultimately the most painful piece of knowledge that a person can ever acquire. For me to truly know, Tucker, what it is that I'm doing and why I'm doing it and to come face-to-face -face with that and be honest, I can fool you I can fool my neighbor, I can even pretend to fool myself, but when I come face to face with the reality of why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing, that's the most humbling moment in a person's life. Take heed, Christ says, because your father sees in secret and will himself reward us openly. First Samuel 16, seven says, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We can fool others with our good deeds. We can even fool ourselves, but there is no fooling God about what is in our heart. God always sees it, baby. So, so for some, the bad news is that God always sees. And for others, the good news is that God always sees. Those of us 
that have labored in the Lord with pure hearts, who have not let our left hand know what our right hand is doing, who have been practicing our charitable deeds in secret. I want you to know your father who has seen in secret will himself reward you openly. I was a police chaplain for a number of years and did a lot of funerals for people who had been murdered or found dead in their home and had no friends or loved ones. And I would do these uh, funerals graveside with the, you know, uh, whoever the guy is that runs the, the funeral home director, you know. Uh, and you think none of that is thought of, you know, you just do it because a, a person deserves a, an honest uh, burial, right? I get every year in the spring, I get a text message from a family that says, always remembering what you did for our daughter. I tell you, I don't know who they are. Don't know their daughter. Put a gun to my head, friend, and I'll tell you, I never seen them, never did anything for them. But that moment of me just doing an act of mercy, there was no one there for their loved one. And me just being there, it was, it probably did it on my lunch break at work. It just took 20 minutes of my time in and out. I was on to the next thing. Never thought about it again. But for that family, every year on the anniversary of their daughter's death, they think about how I loved them well. See, we can go sometimes throughout our lives uh, just doing the work of Christ, just, just doing the right thing for the sake of it being the right thing. And then we can look at the situation of our lives and think, God, don't you see? the situation I'm in. God, don't you see the financial trouble I'm in? God, don't you see the struggles in my relationship? And we're just, we're just trying to be good little Christians just day after day doing the right thing because we love the Lord and we can look at our life and we think it's in chaos, it's in shambles. But God sees. Friend, I'm here to tell you today God sees. God has seen what you have sown in secret. God has seen the times that you've gotten up to pray for that loved one. He's seen the times where you've handed off that little bit of cash for someone else that's needed. He has seen you taking some old clothes and giving them to someone. He has seen the times you've taken a friend out for coffee just because you thought that they looked a little down and could use a little uh, four shots of espresso to turn their mood upside down. He's seen all of it. Hunter and I don't drink coffee because we like it. We drink it because we hate the devil. Amen? <laughs> he sees all of that. And in the struggle of your life, in the turmoil, when you think uh, uh, there is no way, there's no other choice, there's no way that I can escape this situation, there's no way I'll ever feel better, there's no way the wounds in my heart will be healed, there's no way I'll ever be able to have a nice car. 
And then all of a sudden, God shows up because God is the God who sees what you've done in secret and he will reward you openly. In Genesis chapter 16, we find a story of a woman named Hagar who was the servant of a woman named Sarai. And they were having trouble. Her and Abram, her husband, couldn't have kids. And Sarai was like, take Hagar. She'll give you a baby. And so Hagar did what she was told, got pregnant, and then the whole family hated her. She did what she was told to do. She did what she was commanded to do and yet found her life in misery. And she finds herself sitting out in the middle of the desert just waiting to die. Thinking the whole time, all I've done is what was required of me. And yet my life is in a total mess. And the angel of the Lord comes and appears before her in her wilderness to let her know her son Ishmael would help grow a nation. And to this day, the only descendants that have survived of Abraham are the children of Isaac and the children of Ishmael. At that moment, she thought, no one sees what I'm going through. But God met her. God met her in her despair. God met her in her point of need, just like we meet others in their point of need, not to be seen by others, but because we are so excited and grateful for the grace God has given us that if God was with us in our darkest moment, I'm with them in their darkest moment. And then all of a sudden, God shows up. And Hagar says, I can't believe this is happening. You are the God who sees. You are the God who sees me in my darkest moments. And he sees your heart, friend. I want to encourage us today. Do not grow weary in your well-doing. For in due season, you will reap a harvest if you faint not. Give the Lord a hand praise. Go ahead. You serve a God who sees you. Who sees you to the innermost part. Paul says, for now I just see myself as in a darkened mirror. But then I will know myself even as I am fully known by God. God sees your need. God sees your heart. God sees your motive. And I'm here to encourage you today. I'm here to encourage you today to keep serving the Lord. Keep doing the right thing. Not so that someone here comes alongside you and says, hey, great job. Set your eyes on the eternal reward. Help others because at some moment God helped you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you keep serving him with a heart of faith, with a heart of love, 
Not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Just doing good because you're grateful. I'm here to tell you today, family, that the God who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Oh, there's a reward on that day. But I'm telling you, we serve a God who right now in this generation, in this day and age, if we being evil know how to give our children good things, how much more does our Father in heaven know how to give good things to his children who love him? Your blessing is on the way. Your blessing is on the way. Your breakthrough is on the way. Stay in faith. We serve a God who sees what you do and sees your heart. And if we allow the truth of Jesus to form the way of Jesus within us, then we are truly living the life of Jesus. Give the Lord a hand praise this morning. At this time, I'd like to invite the worship team and the prayer team to come forward. We believe in corporate prayer here. We believe that where two or three are gathered together in the name of the Lord, he is in our midst. So we want to have a bit of time. We know we have baptisms and all sorts of wonderful things going on. But if the word of the Lord touched your heart this morning and you're saying to yourself, man, I might need to check my motivation for how I live this life, we invite you to come forward. We want to pray with you. If you've been struggling and you've been just doing the work, but you need God to come through for you. We also invite you to come. We'd like to pray with you today. So the altar is open. We want to pray with you today, and then uh, we will have uh, Ray come forward to do baptism celebration and Joseph with the benediction. But right now, the altar is open. If, if the Lord is speaking to you, you need something from the Lord. I invite you to come. I invite you to come. Let us, let us pray with you. The Bible says pray for one another that you might be healed. We're here. Prayer team, come.